0: This week, we are bringing our listeners a special interview with two activists in Oklahoma, Nicole and Kyle, who are working to achieve some very interesting goals, including mutual aid goals that are as pertinent as ever during this current crisis. Many
1: months has come and gone since Red I started, Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma's most, Republican most Oklahoma podcasts. hills where I was born. Yet I keep doing crime. We're gonna be my man. Oh, I doing learned. sexism. Doing well, like crime. We be doing crime. We're down there are revisions in the and there are reactions. We just can't make it the a suit thing. I was born. This is Red Star over Oklahoma. Oklahoma is a publicist podcast. Now we're down yonder podcast. in the Indian Nation. The cowboy's life is by occupation. In those Oklahoma hills where I was born.
0: So, uh, guys, uh, just kind of introduce us to your organization and kind of tell us what you do.
2: We are with the Tulsa chapter of the Socialist Rifle Association, the SRA, um, which is a national organization of over 3,000 members now. We are working on a distribution project for pretty much anyone in Tulsa, first come, first serve, who is struggling as a result of the pandemic currently. Uh, mutual aid and community outreach, community building are important to not just those of us locally, like in the Tulsa chapter, but to the SRA as a national organization. We're definitely not the first chapter to set up a mutual aid project, especially in response to COVID, um, but we are definitely making steps to get as big of a project going as we are still realistically able to handle, um, in the attempts to actually build dual power and build power outside of the system during this moment when the system is showing itself to be very, very weak. So just, hey,
1: this
0: is uh, <laughs> so <laughs> just, just, just for my own, uh, you know, my edification, tell me what you guys mean when you say mutual aid.
2: Um... Do the Kropotkin quote?
3: I, it's on my phone that we're using to have
2: this okay. interview. With. Anyway, um, mutual aid is basically the mutual bill fundamentally on someone having something, having resources, you know, being a have that is choosing to, you know, act magnanimously and distribute these things that ultimately they still have. Um, Mutual aid is around the acknowledgement that most of us are struggling together and most of us have Skills, resources, whatever, that whenever it's combined with other people's skills and resources, you're actually able to achieve something, you know, that's greater than the sum of its parts. Mutual aid is the acknowledgement that we are all interconnected and that applies across like every facet of our life and that we work best whenever we work together to help each other.
3: Yeah, basically Mutual Aid, A Factor of Evolution by Kropotkin is kind of where all this is coming from. And like, kind of as the title says, A Factor of Evolution, we believe in this idea because the community is coming together, working together with people who maybe never really like interacted with each other before. Uh, it's the best way to make your community stronger and it's how you can face down any threat. Uh, while bettering the lives of everybody around you at the same time.
0: So this is kind of like the idea. You know, we've all seen the uh, kind of goofy meme of like, all right, I've got a Hulu, you've got HBO, go, you've got Netflix, <laughs> and so together we're one cable package. And this is kind of the same, <laughs> same, same general idea, except applied to, um, you know, medical devices and uh, weed whackers and uh, food and cooking utensils and, and 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 that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, that's
2: uh, probably the most common, like, example or story or whatever that people will throw out whenever they're explaining mutual aid is the stone soup story that one person had a stone, and that was it, but he was hungry, and so he went around to all the people in the village and was like, well, do you have something for, you know, do you have some soup? They were like, no, I, I have an onion, I have a potato, I have water, I have the bowl, and eventually you come together and you have enough to feed everyone because everyone has, you know, contributed what they have. Um, (laughs) The the cable package is a funny, definitely more modern interpretation (laughs) of that, but it's, yeah, it shows that the idea behind it is intuitive and can be understood really across time and space. It's, you know, just about, figuring out identifying where there is need
3: (laughs) well and i think uh, go ahead kyle and i think like it's really important because it's the easiest way for people to realize they have the actual power in their communities um and it's a very easy way for people to kind of get that initial idea of like oh the way our entire like culture and society is structured it doesn't have to be this way yeah
0: yeah, I think that's, I, 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 you know, so often when I think about this, I, I think about the, um, you know, the, 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 the lauded capitalist who says, oh, you, you, you're a self-made man, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And so we build all these little castles where we try and pack them with everything we'd ever need. But that's really excess because our communities already have those things and our neighbors can, you know, we, there's no reason for me to buy an espresso machine because there's probably one within 100 feet of me, 100 yards of me, you know? Mm -hmm. But I just can't walk into my neighbor's house and uh, make espresso on their machine. (laughs) Yeah,
3: I've always found that, like, castle idea hysterical because they don't understand that it takes 500 other people to make one castle actually self-sustainable.
2: Well, what I was going to say, too, about the espresso, I think that would have been a funnier (laughs) follow-up. What I was going to say about the espresso is, like, you know, your neighbor's house, true, it might not be a coffee shop, but there's no reason why you shouldn't be, like, trying to be friendly with your neighbor anyway. (laughs) Like, the espresso is, like, the benefit from establishing a relationship with someone that is going to pay, like, you know, way more than just a cup of espresso. And I I think that's the big part that gets, that is missing in the way that we tend to understand what it means to have something in a lot of western cultures um, we understand we it's that instant gratification we want to know that we can have it whenever we want and that there is no one who can like deny that to us which that is wrapped up in the, uh, the subtle authoritarianism of, of our system that <laughs> they definitely try to sleep under the rug, but um, owning an item is not the entirety of what you're looking at whenever you're talking about, like just going out and like getting a cup of espresso, I guess is really where I want to go with all that. It's we think of, our actions and our decisions and our day to day as being like these small, tiny little individual things that only affect us instead of thinking about how they can be a part of a larger work in relationship with our community around us.
0: And not just how they can be a part, but how, like, like Kyle was saying, how there there is a requirement that they are already a part, but we need to acknowledge it too. Right. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, exactly. So make it explicit.
0: yeah. So talk to me a bit about, um, what the SRA is and what kind of, you know, your history and the most important tenets to your organization are.
2: So the most simple way to, you know, explain the SRA to people is we say like, oh, we're just the opposite of the NRA because we're the Socialist Rifle Association. That's not entirely true for people who haven't already been, you know, more deeply introduced to politics um, that's totally fine explanation but whereas the NRA focuses a lot on like lobbying um, they're a gun club that does a lot of lobbying we are a gun club that does a lot of community outreach is basically the way to think about it Um, we do function as a counterweight to the NRA in that we know dominant understanding or narrative around gun culture is that it's very reactionary and conservative, very right-wing, um, you know, cis-white male, etc. But the SRA is a space where anyone should be able to feel comfortable learning about firearms and learning about a gun culture and a gun history that isn't that traditional reactionary, conservative kind of gun culture. Um, the single largest aim, or I'd say probably the single most important thing that we really do as an organization is we normalize and de-exotify gun ownership and gun usage amongst the sectors of pol- of <clears throat> amongst like the sectors of political, the ideology that would maybe be a little averse to it. And that's, you know, the the liberal sector.
3: The SRA is a leftist gun gun club that's primarily focused on firearms training, safety, and education. Um, We're even starting up like a firearm instructor process uh, through the national and other accredited programs and organizations in the United States. Um, Sort of the primary goal is providing a safe place for women, women, people of color, uh, LGBTQ people especially. Um, Just because the sort of the firearm community has that stereotype of being male, conservative, kind of racist. And so we're trying to prevent or create a safe space for people that are kind of turned off by that stereotype to kind of explore firearms. Uh, Also in an explicitly leftist like political sphere as well.
0: I think it's really interesting that you you say it like that. Uh, I don't care about talking over Carl. I will do it until the (laughs) fucking day I die. I will continue to talk over him at his own funeral. Um... I think it's really interesting the way you kind of put that because I think one of the most difficult things about being a leftist in America is that there has been all of this implicit programming that attaches certain attributes to conservative white males. And it is only because that they know that those attributes have power and that they have taken them upon themselves because when you really look at why you know people of color um, have such a bad – uh, uh uh relationship with owning firearms with firearms in general is because they've been so heavily criminalized in their communities to the point where that it feels like it's something that is illegal and that they don't want to be around because it can be bad and i think that that's very true for a lot of places and then they build you know it's 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 recursive because then you build these gun clubs and the nra and these you know shoot up shops and around tulsa and around oklahoma where you know there's confederate flags everywhere and there's some you you know, big punchy guy with a dip in and he's yelling at you because you don't know what kind of ammunition you want. And what I'm kind of hearing you guys say is that, you know, you are to be the 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 you know Bill Nye the science guy of getting everyone involved in guns. <laughs>
2: um, that's definitely
0: <laughs> I just mean our I just goal, mean in the sense that it opened the door more widely.
2: Our goal is definitely to You know not so much like normalize guns um but just get people to understand that they are not like the scary terrifying you know like a handgun is not a weapon of mass destruction um it can be used in that way but that's also completely inseparable from the critique of gun culture as it normally exists, which is the reactionary conservative gun culture. Um, We firmly believe that whenever you properly educate people in a non toxic culture, you do not have the same problems that you have with like what is considered the normal standard gun culture in America, which is, you know, the mass violence, the extremely high rates of you know gun based homicide suicide stuff like that um, we we don't believe that guns are the problem basically the way that like you know liberal or like the democratic party the way that their traditional approach tends to be when it comes to firearms and like the gun control question we firmly believe that the gun culture that exists now has evolved in response to the culture of America, the white supremacists, the sexist, the patriarchal, the capitalist reactionary. Mm -hmm. Um, and we firmly believe that people who have been on the receiving end of all of those things, marginalized identities all across the board, should be allowed to defend themselves in the very way that they are made to fear for their lives. Um you know it goes you know for example it's like the whole you know gun control includes the question of like police violence right um minorities uh racial sexual ethnic minorities tend to have some of you know things tend to go the worst for them a lot of times whenever law enforcement gets involved and a lot of times it's because of the use of firearms ultimately Uh, that's You know, part of what we're talking about whenever we talk about the culture of gun ownership and gun control in America, it's very, very, very slanted to favor one specific kind of gun owner and really demonize anyone who deviates from that, who says, well, the Second Amendment also applies to me as well.
3: And the perfect example of that is I think the first gun control laws in this country were put in place by Reagan to combat the Black Panthers. Yeah,
0: that was that was exactly mm-hmm. actually what I was thinking about <laughs> a moment ago when I said that it was exactly that. The Black Panthers all of a sudden they started walking with guns, and then all of a sudden there was an assault rifle ban. Yep. Um, so, uh, you know, what is, so what is SRA doing in uh, both Green Country and Oklahoma? Uh, you know, what what um, what are your current uh, activities that are going on right now?
2: Well. We can't really get together to shoot guns anymore since (laughs) they've canceled all the public events and everything. Um, We normally have a monthly range day that's kind of like our for sure thing. We can get together every month, go de-stress, put a few rounds down range. Um, Mm -hmm. Even whenever we were fairly inactive last year, that was still the one thing that members would still kind of get together pretty semi-regularly and do. Because again, you know, we're a gun club. In the end, that's that's really what we are. We're a gun club. We're just people who want to hang out and like talk guns and shoot a few of them. Um, get better at it. <laughs> yeah. What we have mainly been focused on, though, is the mutual aid project, just because we can't really get together to do anything else, um, but also because it is clearly the most pressing issue at the time or in our current moment. Um the bulk of all of our organization's focus right now is on ensuring that we can keep this project going for the long term. Um we don't want to be just kind of like a little like a one-off flash in the pan kind of mutual aid project because there is definitely a chance here to get some really 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 solid stuff in place and get some really consistent stable systems going that can benefit our communities and can like create a blueprint of how to do things when other crises inevitably arise, you know, once, once we manage to kind of move past the pandemic moment that we're in. Um, Let me ask just,
0: uh, let me ask just really quickly, um, you know, in developing that's something that's so interesting to me, uh, long lasting justice in that sense, uh, you know, having permanent permeance, Uh, or permanence, excuse me. Um, What have kind of been the, you know, either lessons you've learned or the principles that you're using to guide uh, you guys on how to make something long-lasting?
2: The number one thing is not being impatient and taking it slow. Um, It's really easy in organizing especially organizing that overlaps with activism to get really caught up in the energy of the moment and burn yourself out before you've actually really stabilized and we're trying really really hard to avoid that because you know this is definitely going to be one of the longer hauls that we're in for in terms of the crisis moment especially as like a, a larger community
3: yeah and specifically the communities we're aiming to serve is the more quote-unquote underserved communities. Um, whenever this crisis starts to like, release the pressure on the middle classes, you're going to see all of these like solutions that are being proposed. They're going to dry up and they're going to go away. But a lot of the like working class and probably minorities are still going to be having a rough time. I think we have record unemployment right now. Uh, that's not going to change overnight. So uh, like we're hoping to have this project go long-term to serve those communities until everybody is back on their feet.
2: Yeah, like a point that we have tried to bring up from the beginning is just reminding people, like, there are parts of New Orleans and communities that are affected by Hurricane Katrina that still have not been made whole again from that. Um, in a capitalist system, everything as far as social opinion goes, lives or dies by the middle class. And that's why, that's how you get like the exponential increase in marginalization over generations. Cause you have communities that are just impacted over and over and over again before they even have a chance to ever really get back on their feet again. And, you know, that works. That's very convenient for a capitalist system that needs to consistently have a class of people who are, marginalized so that they can be more effectively exploited. And so resisting that, ensuring that we are putting those communities first and saying that that is the standard by which progress needs to be measured, um, that is one of the best ways that you can keep an eye towards what you're building for the future in your community, because you know that at the very least, that's your minimum goal that has to be attained. The people who traditionally are cast aside, those are the people that are really the proof of whether or not we've recovered.
1: Um, If I can also jump in, because a lot of that A lot of what you're describing makes a lot of sense in the terms of like, oh, people aren't getting served, they're not receiving the stuff they need, and we need to make sure they're getting that not just now in this moment of deep crisis, but also in general, right? We have an ongoing social crisis independent of the economy having just stopped or um, COVID-19 proving that our healthcare system is like, uh, you know, has a tree growing through the engine block in the front yard and is rusted out, Um Or, you know, like that stuff is going on anyways. But there's also, I think, you know, like we we should never let a good crisis go to waste, right? Chaos under heaven right now. Like, what are the kind of positive aspects you all see about this moment in terms of doing that mutual aid work, in terms of opening up maybe new possibilities or new spaces for us to, to not just like try and stop the bleeding, but also, you know, you had mentioned dual power earlier, develop the kind of structures that we're going to need later and that maybe put us on a better footing than we were at before? Covid nineteen hit before the economy collapsed. Yeah,
3: uh, the community response has been honestly overwhelming. Uh, just people that aren't even necessarily politically aligned or wanting to get involved and help out because they see the necessity of work like this happening, and that there is nothing coming from the state, uh, let alone the federal government. Like Wait, this entire Wait, Kevin crisis. Stitt
0: isn't like working with y'all. <laughs> That blows me away, man. I can't believe that anti vaxxer is not taking this Stitt more seriously.
2: Was out food without a mask on. Yeah,
3: that's who we're working with as governor right now. Oh, I drove uh, through so I,
0: is- I drove through chick-fil-A yesterday and they had masks, but they were just covering their mouths. And I was like, well, yeah, that's not gonna work very well. I've seen that as well.
3: Yeah, to anybody listening, please, when you wear the mask, cover your nose as well?
1: <laughs> it's where sneezes come from, guys. Yeah. I was out doing grocery shopping and I saw someone with a mask covering their beard but not their mouth or nose. It's like, you could just not wear it. Like, what are you doing with your life, man? Like, you're just wasting that mask, man.
2: I understand how precious your beard is to you, but... Anyway. Well, so... Um,
0: I think, you know... There's kind of, a, you know, especially for our listeners, I think, you know, there's, you know, a couple levels of engagement here. So what would be the best way for someone who isn't necessarily a member of SRA, um, but wants to help with the things you've got going on? What's the best way for them to get involved?
2: Um, I will answer that in a second, actually, because I actually wanted to tack on something to the end of what he was saying a second ago. Oh, yeah. Go for um, it. I think for me, the thing that I've tried to stay focused on in this pandemic is, and just like the ensuing like the economic chaos and everything else that's happening is this is probably the only time in any of our lifetimes that there has legitimately been a light at the end of the tunnel in terms of whether or not we can actually break out of this like capitalist realism that we've all been forced to live through through our entire lives um i you know like a lot of people that constant weird anxiety of like what's about to happen like when's the other shoe gonna drop like that definitely is like wearing on me it's part of why we're doing the aid project and stuff because it always helps to put your energy into something that helps other people when there's stuff going on you can't control but ultimately the thing that really keeps me going through all of this is knowing that like we could actually build something and start to free ourselves from all of this like legitimately and it's going to take a lot of work um, I don't really think that any of us in our lifetime will be able to really kind of, like, rest on our laurels. But I absolutely think that if we are in a moment in which we can fundamentally change the direction that we're on, the you know, just plummeting towards this capitalist hellscape, I think this is the moment. And we have to not be afraid to seize the wheel. The car is moving really, really fast. But if your odds are straight into the brick wall that you can see or at least like getting yourself a little bit more road you know i feel like that choice is Mm -hmm. pretty obvious (laughs) yeah
1: would you say Um, the car is on fire and nobody's behind the wheel
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah
3: exactly like i might by no means am i an anarchist but sometimes you just have to act
2: yeah
0: um And I also think, you know, in that same breath, there is something to be said about, you know, the fact that one of the core arguments that I think leftists can really hold out on is to say that um, we are establishing systems that put people within their own autonomy to decide their lives. And I think that right now with the... um, ideological weakness i mean there's no other way to say it you know the profit motive doesn't work in a pandemic it doesn't work in a natural disaster it doesn't work in a lot of places and so i think you know at the weakening of these systems because of their ideology i think that they're like you're saying there's this moment where we can say listen look at how bullshit our medical system is look at how bullshit our food distribution systems are look at how bullshit our our energy distribution systems are our roads um let's Mm -hmm. build the solution no one else is going to do it for us so we might it's going to have to be us or nobody and i think that that's a um a powerful thing
2: the bullshittedness of the food system is about to become like painfully apparent very Mm -hmm. very soon too unfortunately Mm -hmm.
3: that's the good thing about like mutual aid projects like this though is you start to see people realize like oh i do have the capabilities to like run a food distribution for my entire neighborhood and then you can kind of see that light bulb go off or the light going in people's eyes and like oh i can do a lot more than i thought i was capable of doing Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: um so let's circle back around so like like i kind of um was asking about um you know uh, for people who aren't involved with sra and want to get involved with mutual aid what's the best way for them to get involved right now
2: for art projects, specifically, if people are wanting to help out, our number one thing that we need is um, getting donations or helping set up supply lines so that we can have consistent donations coming in. Um, because of the limit on how many people can be in one place... That actually restricts what we can do as far as volunteers go, and it, that's a really different situation than we're normally in for these kinds of projects. Because, you know, most people aren't working right now, and a lot of people are wanting to help out. And normally, what we run into is there's a lot of work, and there's you know no people power because people have their normal lives to live; they are at work and all sorts of other stuff. Um, but we really can't take in any physical volunteers at the moment who are not already members of either the SRA or the Green Country IWW because they are working with us on this project um, as an official coalition. Um, We will be needing delivery drivers soon. Uh, Actually by the time this airs we will probably be needing delivery drivers. Uh, So the first thing that we have everybody do is email either the SRA at gmail, our inbox over there, or GreenCountry IWW at ProtonMail. Um, if you drop a message in either one of those inboxes and just let us know that you're like interested in like delivery or helping out with donations and stuff, we can get all that sorted and get you the right information. Um, getting our word, or getting word out there about the project is really important, um, especially into communities that are maybe not as typically plugged into like you know mainstream information sources, we've been on the news now and stuff, which is definitely started to change. Um, some of the people that have ended up in our inbox, it's really interesting seeing how that ebbs and flows. Um, but we really are wanting to make sure that the people who know about our project are the people who really desperately need help. We do have um, Spanish speakers on our project, so we can handle Spanish language requests requests we've already gotten a few of those that's not a problem um we even have someone that has volunteered to help out who speaks mom so we're hoping to get like some full translations done for that so that we can start distributing our project um in some of like the local immigrant communities as well um, but yeah just getting the word out there about what we're doing helping us get consistent supply lines or donations um, if people aren't connected to people or feel like they have resources to kind of like help set up donation flow we do have a fundraiser going um i can give you all the information for that we have a fundraiser we're also taking direct donations over like paypal cash app stuff like that um basically anything to just help sustain the project now that we've really started to get
3: Yeah, we're trying to get food and medical supply boxes, so if you have any, like, spared canned goods or medical supplies to donate to us, that would be helpful as well.
2: We can also really use large plastic bins. I know that's kind of like a specific kind of request, um, but our, we do a two-stage decontamination process for everything that comes through our space, and the second stage of that is sealing everything up in plastic bins cleaning the bins off with like bleach spray and stuff and then putting them in quarantine for four days so that by the time everything leaves our facility it's been cleaned and quarantined to minimize you know the chance of potentially passing COVID forward Uh, but because of that we need a lot of bins (laughs) because we're storing a lot of things and because they go into storage like with that lag time we need to have extra supplies ready to go to make sure that we're just like Consistently able to fulfill requests. Um, the bins do need to be able to close securely. So a secure fitting lid or like a latching lid, something like that. Um, but yeah, if people have bins to get rid of. We definitely use those.
1: All right. We can, uh, we'll link to all those emails and, uh, get the link to your fundraiser and put that in the show description too.
0: For sure. So cool. for you. the, for the next level. Uh, so let's say someone wants to get involved with SRA proper. How how, how does someone go about getting involved with SRA proper?
3: Um, the easiest way is to go online at socialistra.org. Uh, it's $25 for a year membership, and that gets you sorted into uh, the national slack, and then that people kind of break down by region, and people contact you from there.
0: Perfect.
2: Well, perfect. Locally locally we're all on discord but you cannot get access to the discord unless you've gone through the national slack so you everybody yeah. has to join national um that's actually one of the questions that we get a lot because there is another facebook page for oklahoma that's listed as an sra page and it's not affiliated with us and they don't have like membership requirements or anything. But for this project and like for membership, you have to go through national at Socialist RA.
1: Yeah. And just to be clear, they do have the coolest membership card. Like if you have your DSA card, it kind of sucks. <laughs> Once you see an SRA card. Yeah. <laughs> it it yeah. Whips. It's like
3: solid metal with red and like gold trimming on it. Like it's legitimately an it's extremely red, nice red looking card. Red <laughs> and silver. Red and silver. yeah.
2: Daddy Mark's looking at you from one side.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, all all right guys. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add or any plugs you'd like to make?
2: Um, we want to shout out the Oklahoma grocery network really fast. Um, that's kind of like a grassroots mutual aid uh, project. That's just kind of popped up in response to everything. um, they are really cool and they're also the people who got us set up with our first major donation we got an entire pallet of mixed dry inventory through mm-hmm. them because they didn't they're not a like physical space, space set up they do um, they connect people who have resources or who have the ability to go get resources with people who need them or can't leave their home mm-hmm. and so because of that, they were just like, hey, we've got a bunch of food, like dry goods, if you all need it for your project. And that was really what we were able to build a lot of what we did off of. They are really awesome people. Um, if people are in need of immediate aid, we've been sending them over to that network anyway. But yeah, we definitely want to shout them out because they have been fantastic with like working with us so far. And we really, really appreciate what they've done.
3: And they're primarily on Facebook as the Oklahoma Grocery Network.
2: Yeah. Um, We'd also like to shout out the Green Country IWW. Um, They are in the process of getting chartered and getting reestablished. And a lot of the momentum that we've really had with this project definitely started after they voted to form a coalition with us. Um, They've got some members over there that are just totally kicking ass Mm -hmm. and have really been jumping on some really interesting opportunities and leads that we're hoping might pan out i don't want to jinx it yet but we've somebody has contacted the cuban consulate for us (laughs) Uh, and there's kind of some interesting exchanges going on over there so we really 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 want to shout out the iww for the help that they've put in so far because it's really kind of helped the project blossom further Mm -hmm.
0: well awesome Awesome. Thank you guys so much for being on the show today. As always, our Twitter is at Red Star Over OK. We have a Facebook page and a subreddit. You can listen on SoundCloud and iTunes, as well as most other places podcasts are found. Any questions, comments, complaints, or concerns can be sent to our email, RedStarOverOK at gmail.com. And hey, um, uh, Nicole or Kyle, why don't you guys give me those uh, contact emails one more time right here?
2: Yeah, tulsa.sra at Gmail. And Green Country IWW at Proton Mail. All
0: right. Thank you guys. Thank you guys for listening. Have a nice week. Bye. Thank you.